0: Great, great. Thanks, guys. I love that song. Uh, it's such an encouragement. And uh, I'm excited to uh, to share with you today, um, I think, something that's really powerful from the book of Ephesians. Um, if you're new today, if this is kind of your first time with us, welcome here. We're really glad that you're here with us. And we've been working through a series on spiritual health uh, at the kind of the individual level as well as community level, and today's no exception. We're going to be digging into Ephesians uh, chapter 5, where Paul starts talking about um, kind of the household is what we're going to see. But what I'm looking at this today for is real truth and principles that we can take with us as a community uh, learning about what spiritual health looks like, and especially in the form of love that Christ has for us. So we're looking into that. And by way of Getting us thinking about the topic, um, I wanted to tell a little bit about uh, my experience with uh, escape rooms. So, has anyone done an escape room before? No. It's a little bit? No. I'm <laughs> There's... Oh yeah, yeah. Well, this was yeah. This is true. This is kind of pre-COVID that I did this, and so I. No, no, no. Well, uh, no, that's not at all. Don't worry about that. But uh, yeah, I've, it's been a while, a little while since I've done them. It was about two years ago when I did the first escape room. We did it as a youth team in Quebec. And uh, so we decided to do it as like a team building exercise. And the one that we went to was, the, it was this medieval dungeon was the atmosphere. And uh, it seemed pretty authentic. I've never been in one before, but it seemed pretty authentic. And the whole thing was you're trying to escape in a set amount of time because the idea was there was a fire going on outside the castle and it was coming inward and so you had to escape before it got you. And if you've done them before, you know that it's all about kind of like go. you got to do the right sequence of uh, riddles and clues and do do this and do that, move things around in the room and things appear and all of that. It's about finding the right kind of sequence sequence of events. And what we learned as a team, thankfully we were already a team, we knew each other pretty well, and we learned pretty quickly the idea that we need to rely on each other if we're going to get through this, if we're going to make it out in the amount of time, you only got a certain amount of time. So we realized, okay, we need to rely on each other's strengths, in order to do this, you know, so one friend, one leader, really good, he, yeah, he's an engineer, really good at math, kind of thinking things through there, so we knew if there's any situation where that was called for, okay, he's a guy, and then, you know, others were really good at remembering things, so they were the ones who kind of remembering all these little pieces of the puzzle that might come back into the equation, so we trust them for that. Others were more quick, split-second decisions, so when we needed that to happen, they did that. And you realize, like, that's what you need to do. You've got to trust each other, rely on each other's strengths if you're going to get out in time. Because you can imagine if you were on a team that didn't do that, where everyone didn't really trust each other, where everyone kind of wanted to do everything, and they're vying for, you know, this and that, you wouldn't make it out. It would be a disaster. Well, that's the kind of idea that we're, we're talking about today. Because we're learning here, Paul says, for each of us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we're talking about mutual submission. And we're talking about that. And I think that's a good inroads into it. There's going to be a whole bunch of other layers to it once we bring in uh, this idea of out of reverence for Christ and what Jesus teaches us about submission. Um, But I think that's a good way into it. It's this idea of trusting each other, respecting kind of the gifts that we have, the roles that we find ourselves in, so that we can all work together toward the health of our community, toward the building up of the church, serving God, and all those really great goals. And uh, so we're going to be looking at Ephesians 5, to the end for, for that. And what Paul says here is toward households, but as I said, we're going to take that and apply it to our church community. So let's start out, though, at uh, fifteen, at, at verse 15, because this sets up the context, I think, for this discussion. And uh, so let's, let's read from there. So uh, it says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this sets up our context nicely. And the themes there, there's that big theme at the beginning where it talks about wisdom, about living with wisdom. It says there, Live with wisdom, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And the message translation, it kind of says, these are desperate times, so live wisely. It's this idea, we only got a certain amount of time on this earth, so to speak, and there's lots of opportunity to kind of go astray, take the wrong paths and that sort of thing. So live wisely, though. Make the, op- make the most of every opportunity. That's the... the, the and within that, it says, be filled with the Spirit. That's the best thing that you can do, is be filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, things are going to happen. Certain things will come up, come about, like singing psalms, being thankful to God, and then our big theme there, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I kind of get that impression. It's like this escape room type scenario where we've only got a certain amount of time It's like the times are dangerous, the times are desperate. we got to work together on this. we got to trust each other, lean on each other, if we're going to kind of make it through and if we're going to do what we're called to do as a church community. And that word submit there is very key for that. And really a lot of what we're going to do today is try to explore what submit means. Paul is saying that's so key for all of us just to learn to submit to each other. And the trouble is, though, I think that word has a lot of baggage, especially in our culture. The the submit, you think submit, you think kind of like power structure, you think kind of superior and inferior and those sorts of things. But that's not at all what Paul's getting at here. So I think we need to approach it with a bit of an open mind and kind of like with fresh eyes and looking at it from this idea that we're talking about, yeah, working together harmony and that sort of thing. So it's with that backdrop that Paul goes into um, applying things, applying what he's talking about to the household, to the the typical Greco-Roman household. Uh, And he's also going to weave in some truths about the church. So let's let's read what's next, um, starting at verse 22. It says, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Okay, so I recognize here, with this verse, we're on controversial territory. and So I'm glad that we're lightly approaching this today. Um, I'm hoping to leave here with my job still intact and all that and uh with the, and uh, but so but what i wanted to say i think it's good that we can just talk about these things and i'm going to bring what i think is the best reading of the text but the, the good thing about this is it's not like make or break salvation material here right there's some really deep significant stuff here but it's the kind of area where it's okay if we disagree. So I just want to say that right off the bat. And if what I'm saying here today, you find yourself disagreeing, that's okay. And I'd love to talk, I'd love to talk about it. Feel free to come to me and, and talk about it afterwards, or we can set up a, a chat, that sort of thing. Um, but before we kind of get into it, I think it's important to take a little bit of a history, uh, d- a dive into history here. Because whenever Paul kind of gives us specific instructions, sometimes it's hard to know what he's saying to that particular point in history, you know, here's what you should do in this time, versus when he's saying things like, here's what you should always do, you know. And this is one of those cases where he's kind of, some of it is true for all of time, some of it I believe is true for kind of his specific time. And all the while, remember, he's saying these are desperate times. Things aren't ideal here, but we've just got to live the way of Christ in these times. We've got to live wisely in these times. So we have already know this is a bit provisional, what he's talking about. So just a little bit about what Paul's doing here. Um, he's talking to the typical Greco-Roman household. And we know that because he's going to go on in chapter 6 to speak to other people within the household. And it all lines up with what we know is true of, like I said, the typical household of his time. So you've got husband-wife relationship, you've got parent-children relationships, and you've got master-slave relationship. He's going to get into those in chapter 6. So that maps on very well to that context, that particular context. So already know, already we can sense then, okay, it's, uh, there's some things that are maybe going to be different in our time because our households look different. And also, we're going to hone in on the the husband-wife relationship, because there's a lot of gold there. But obviously, in Paul's time, things were quite different for men and women, so to speak. And in in Paul's time, um, there was a lot really set into the culture about what men do, what women do. It was kind of a lot like, um, like 1950s, 1960s. I wasn't alive then, but from what I've heard about it, this idea that, you know, men kind of have a certain role. They're outside the home, earning the money, all that stuff, and then kind of the wife stays inside and, and takes care of the kids, does the cleaning, that sort of thing. That was really what was entrenched in Paul's time. And it's going back for, really, centuries, because there's a lot of people that wrote, here's how the household should be. Uh, going back to Aristotle, going back even before, so we're talking like 4th century B.C., and they taught that, yeah, the husband and wife should be a team, but there's clear-cut roles. Uh, The husband's outside, he's the worker, outside getting the money, that sort of thing. He's got all the kind of responsibilities outside the home, and the wife is inside the home with those responsibilities. The thing is, it was entrenched in a couple of major ways in Paul's time. For one... Going back again to Aristotle, it was taught that this was by nature the way it was supposed to be. Aristotle says that by nature, a husband or a man is fit for leading, and by nature, a wife is fit for following and, and obeying, that sort of thing. So it was actually kind of a secular idea that men have by nature the, the kind of the leadership go gifts, and, and women have following gifts and that sort of thing. And, and by Paul's time, this had become like entrenched in law, okay? So in the Roman world, they made this stuff into the law where it's like the husband is the pater familius. He's the, the head of the household by law, especially over children. Like you look at kind of what the husband can do, the father has power over when it comes to children. It's actually pretty scary the amount that was allowed under the law. Uh, apparently it didn't happen a lot but it was possible for the husband to decide okay we're keeping this child we're not keeping that child and it oh, by law the husband had the kind of the political power the social freedoms the access to education the husband was older than his wife usually by about 10 years even so there was a major difference going on in terms of what society was determining in terms of roles and in terms of even kind of the, the hierarchy and, and, and the freedoms and all of that. So I want to take that time there to say, you realize that, okay, Paul's really speaking into a certain context here. When he starts talking about the idea of submission on the side of, uh, of wives in the households. And I think what he's going to do is pretty revolutionary. We see once he starts addressing men. But I think in, in when he's talking about master slaves as well, but these are what wisdom looks like in these dangerous times. So he knows that he can't overturn this stuff because that would be dangerous for those who are vulnerable in that situation. But he's going to really speak some interesting things into this from the perspective of what, um, what it means to love as Christ would love. Okay, so... With all that said, he says for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. In Paul's day, the husband was the head of the home. That's just kind of what everyone knew to be true. It had been that way for centuries. So he wasn't saying anything surprising there. And by head, he's just pointing out that the husband kind of has the higher rank, so to speak, in terms of the cultural setting. The husband has the, the lineage is traced from the husband. You see this in Old Testament usage as well. You got the, like, Abraham would have been the head of his family, that sort of thing, because they traced their ancestors through Abraham. And so he's speaking to those things. Um, and he says how you're the head as Christ is the savior of the church. Culturally, that makes sense too. As Christ is the protector, the provider for the church. Culturally, the husband was the protector, provider of his household, of his, of his wife. So he says, in that, submit to your husband. And that's where we get uncomfortable in our time, right, when we see that word, Because it's been so abused. We see that. We, we, it's been taken kind of just literally, crossed over. We've filled it with our cultural meanings of submission, and it gets abused. But I think really what Paul's saying here is just the, like the, the way of wisdom here, and the way of love, and the way of Christ here, is to respect and to kind of honor your husband in that cultural role. Don't try to undermine, don't go in for a power play, but support him. For the good of him and for the good of your household. I think that's kind of what he's saying. And, and love kind of within that. Because it definitely doesn't mean like obey and blindly obey. Uh, those are words he could have used but that he didn't use. He says to children obey. He uses the word obey your parents to children. But not here. And it lines up with what he says at the end as well. In verse 33 he says the wife must respect her husband. It's, again, going back to that escape room situation. We're in desperate times. we got to be wise in these times. This is the roles that we find ourselves in. And so let's respect each other in those roles, submit to each other in that sense. And he says, do so as the church submits to Christ. So that's really key as well. That's, I think, where he starts kind of revolutionizing this idea of submit, because we've been talking about what the church does together, what it means to serve Christ together. And we've been talking about how that really means we, we kind of recognize what each of us bring to the table because of the Holy Spirit. And we work together, as Paul says in Ephesians four sixteen. as each one of us are doing our part, the body builds itself up in love. That's what the church is, the body of Christ. As each of us are doing our part, we're building up each other we're building up the church. So we see that here, submitting in this context. And now I think where we're starting to get into more what's true of all time, where we're working to serve each other to the point of building each other up, and for the sake of everyone as well, in this case for the household, to work for the good of the household, to build up the household, and for all of us to build up the church. Now I think we're in a territory where we can really start to to see some good, um, lasting universal application to this, because that's true for all of us within our church community. Okay, we're with me so far. With me. Great. So we're now we're moving on to what he says to husbands. And here's where he really starts to revolutionize things. So chapter or verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. So, in in this here, I think we're starting to get into some more, like, lasting (laughs) advice, because this is going to be true at all times, that we love each other in this way. But if we're thinking still in the context, it's really remarkable what Paul's doing here, because if you notice... What Paul says to husbands is three times as long as what he says to wives in this case. And even the fact that he's giving advice here is already going against the grain. Because in other household codes of the time, all the advice is given to women, children, and slaves. Very little is given to the father-husband. Here he takes the majority of time to speak to the father and husband. And what does he say well, the, the one that's, that's helpful here is that whole part about love your wives as you love your own bodies. That makes me think back to being in my 20s as a teenager and how much a group of us got into, like, fitness and bodybuilding and that sort of thing. And, and through youth ministry, I've come to see this as well, that I think for guys when you're younger, if you get a taste of taking care of yourself, like weightlifting and that sort of thing, kind of gets, you kind of really get into it, <laughs> it kind of gets addictive, I remember that like in, in the end of high school, into 20s, it was kind of like meet you at the gym, that sort of thing, and like my group of friends, we'd be talking about, okay, what, what are you working, what are you doing for your chest, what are you doing, what kind of a routine are you doing here, are you doing individual muscle groups, are you doing the whole thing, what's going on, we're sharing tips on supplements and all that, like how, what protein are you taking, what kind of a shake are you taking, that sort of thing. And so, and I remember, like, at the Y, right, those, there we go, good, there we go, good. So, back to my story of weightlifting. So, um, in the Y, I remember you got all these mirrors, and so you're trying not to make it obvious that you're kind of checking out your, how things are going, you know, and you're, and all the, you're kind of, anyways, and you're, like, looking over, what's he look like? Oh, he's a lot bigger than me, I better start going harder here. And uh, so I remember it being that kind of a thing. And I've seen it in my youth group as well back in Quebec. Like, guys, once they get into this, it's like a a never-ending thing. And so I see Paul kind of tapping into that and saying, look, you know how to care for your own bodies. You know how to feed it. You know how to exercise. You know how to do all of that stuff. Well, stop looking at your marriage as if the two of you aren't one, you know. Stop looking at your marriage for what you can just get out of it. And start looking at it as that you're together, that you two have become one flesh. And so, you know, look after her and care for her and love her in the same way you do your own body. You know how to do that, so apply that to her. Yeah, that's the kind of love he's saying that for husbands to have for their wives. And then he elevates it even more by bringing in Christ's example. He's saying how you want to he husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. So this is a love that is putting the interests of the other before your own. This is a love that's even sacrificial where the cross is in full view here, giving up even everything to serve and to empower and uh, you know because later on it talks about how this is a mystery how the husband leaves parent his parents and joins the wife and and that there is a is in, like it's a sign it's a it's a pointer to how Christ loved the church leaving his father leaving everything to to for the good of humanity so that's the kind of picture then he's saying for husbands. Love your wives in that way. And lest we think that there's a power dynamic going on here with Christ, that gets transformed as well. In Philippians 2, we read about Jesus and his way. And it's such a beautiful hymn. We've, we've read it before here, but it's important to read it here in this context. Because it says in Philippians two six eight, 8, Though Jesus was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And Paul's saying to husbands, that's your standard here now. For loving your wives. This is a power divesting act. It's, or put it another way. It's using what the cultural power that the husband has in order to empower others. In order to lift others up. So it's flipping everything really almost on its head here. And that's the way of Christ in this context. And that's where we start to see something deeply true um, for all time. So I think that kind of starts to change what we say here. What Paul's saying, or sorry, what we would maybe understand by that word "submit," because um, as I said earlier, in the English language, if you were to look that up in the dictionary, you see "submit." It's often it, the most of the the translations or the um, not translations, but the definition are about that power dynamic. It's kind of like submit means like surrender, uh, surrender control and that sort of thing of, you know, the stronger party to the weaker party and that sort of thing. But we see here with Paul, it's almost like we need a different word. It's almost like Paul is just saying, look at Christ and do what Christ does, (laughs) you know, and love like that. And that's what submission looks like with Christ. Um, Because now we get this picture Of two people who are respecting, loving, trusting each other. They find themselves in certain roles in these times, but they are submitting to each other for the purpose of building each other up and for the purpose of building up their household. That's the picture that Paul is giving us. And I'm going to end off there, but I want to just kind of bring it in, in in the conclusion part here to bring it in for all of us in terms of what spiritual health looks like from this for any community. Because here's the thing. Um, you know how the church, we've talked about how the church is supposed to be a sign uh, for the world. In another way of putting it, the church is is like a sacrament. And a sacrament is kind of a physical presence uh, reality that's pointing to a deeper spiritual reality. And the church is supposed to be, when people look at the church, they see God's wisdom, they see God's love, they see the potential for humanity um, in reconciliation with God. And I love what Luke Timothy Johnson says about the marriage here, about what Paul's doing with marriage. He says, as the church is a sacrament of the world's possibility as a place of peace and reconciliation, so marriage, so is marriage. It's a sacrament to the church of what it should progressively become. This picture here of a marriage under Christ, Paul, I, I think, is kind of pointing to, because he keeps weaving back and forth through it. Talks about the church, then talks about husband and wife, talks about the church, talks about husband and wife, talking about how it's a mystery. This is Christ And the church. So, a marriage like that, it's meant for the church to look and say, that's what we can become in terms of mutual submission and love and building each other up. And then it becomes even more powerful, (laughs) what Paul's saying here, and more revolutionary. And I mean, because we know that, uh, now talking about the context, the culture isn't there now for there to be these hard and fast roles and for there to be power dynamics and that sort of thing. And I love what Alpha says about this, about Ephesians 5, and the Alpha pre-marriage course, um, which Randy and I went through and which I've taken couples through. It talks about how in a marriage, each comes to the table with strengths and gifts and with uh, you know the bringing things to the table. And so mutual submission... It looks like this. It looks like, hey, we recognize that you are really good in this area, so you're going to be the leader in that area, whether it's finances, whether it's hospitality, whether it's, you know, whatever it might be. So mutual submission means respecting and trusting each other in the God-given gifts that we have um, for the sake of each other. And so it's respecting and letting each other shine in those areas because that's what serving each other looks like and building each other up. And it's all for the good of the household. It's all for the good of our family. Well, that's true, then, I think, for the church. That's true for the church. God has given all of us different gifts. We've talked about this before. God gives us different callings, different even roles within the church. We've seen that earlier in Ephesians. And so mutual submission, that's a big part of it, is recognizing, celebrating those different things. And submission then looks like, hey, I trust you with that. I want you to be able to, to explore that and run with that. And even if you make a mistake, we won't lynch you for it. We're going we're gonna to let you keep shining in that. And we're going we're gonna to let you go for it. And we're going to trust each other in that. And as we work together, then we're building up the church. And it's also this way of love, this way of love that, that we see um, as Christ loved the church as a husband loves the wife, as a wife loves her husband, giving to each other for the purpose of building each other up and empowering. That's the kind of picture um, that we can draw from for healthy community, mutual submission as being really the the root of spiritual health for our community. Um, good, okay, so I just want to pray for us now, and we 're actually going to go into communion uh, on that note, and I think it's a really great note to go into communion, but before we do that, and as the worship team comes up let's let's just pray together. Um, dear heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you for today, and thank you for this time to worship you and to hear from Scripture for you to speak to us, and and I I trust and and pray that you've been speaking to us today and that we hear you today, and I I pray that we catch this vision of what Paul's saying, that each of us learning to submit to one another and looking to marriage as this kind of sign of what we can become, where two people submitting, loving each other, to empower each other, to help each other grow for the good of the house. Well, that's kind of what it looks like when the church is submitting to each other. Show us that, Lord, in our small groups. Help us to talk through it and to learn more, Holy Spirit, of what you want to teach us through that. And just we pray that, that, yeah, you would make clear to us what needs to be made clear. Speak to our hearts. Really get us passionate about this as well. That we would have a drive to to build each other up. And that we would have a real love for each other. The Bible talks about to really love each other. And Holy Spirit, we pray for your help in that as well. So it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray these things. Amen.